Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you hear that passion? Can you, can you hear that character? Can you hear that charisma? Can you feel the BDE pouring into your ear hole as we speak right now, right? No. Ah, well, we're here, folks. The uh, best damn combat sports show, period. The best sports podcast in the globe, according to a bunch of voters as well on a few different things. My name is Brian Campbell. It is Friday, December 16th, 2022. And you know what we're here to do. Set the weekend straight. We're talking about UFC picks. We're talking about Showtime Boxing. We're talking about the news that is. But you might not be here for me. You might be here for that other guy. A native of New Delhi, India. <laughs> who's forgotten more than one of his uh, cultures of old there as a uh, Doha native and alum. Uh, it's Luke Thomas. Welcome back, Luke. Fridays, we we, uh, we F around and art up a little bit. How you feeling today, Luke? I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling okay. Um, had a crazy busy day yesterday, but... Um... Excited for the weekend, excited to uh, have no free time and just cater to my child's life at all times, so it should be great. That's the life we live, and we willingly will live it, Luke. I mean, that's that's the life right there, okay? There it is. Right. But, uh, Luke, a lot of reaction in the uh, interwebs and beyond to our brash announcement. I mean, was it all that brash if you didn't live in the uh, UK or the surrounding area, Luke? That's what some people are wondering. I mean, what did they want? Did they want you to finally come out, Luke? What were they waiting for? Yeah, I don't know what they're waiting for exactly. Um, I mean, listen, I, I get the point in on the on the side of folks being like, well, I live in Wyoming. What good does this do me? Fair enough. I can sort of understand that. What you also have to understand is like as a show product, the more you get to do that kind of stuff, the more you get to do all other kinds of stuff. Everything builds. Everything cascades. Can't say that we're going to be going to Wyoming anytime soon necessarily, but if you want the brand to grow and succeed and uh, do other things, cheering this on is pretty important. Well, just a quick reminder from Wednesday's big reveal, February 8th, as part of the overall inaugural Pod Live podcasting festival put on by the Sports Podcast Group, uh, your boys BC and LT Morning Combat, one of the headliners. We are going live at King's Place in London. February 8th, you can scan that QR code on the screen right now to get to our live show. Only, I believe, 500 or so tickets that we're selling. But, Luke, already I'm overwhelmed with love and joy to hear how many fans are like, I don't even know yet if I can make it, but I just bought a ticket just in case. Or, you know, hey, I'm going to make that my vacation this year. I mean, we got people coming from North America, Luke. I mean, this is, you know, this is, it's got to make you feel good at the end of the, at the end of a hard week, Luke. It feels great. And... By the way, like we haven't even announced all the other extra stuff that's going to go along with it, some guests, some other fun stuff. So like this is, it's only going to get better from here. Of course, we will make sure that we can air it for any kind of live audience and blah, blah, blah. But or I guess we're going to figure that out. But in any case, um, it's going to be a good one. This is MK to the UK, perhaps the one time only. Make it count, folks. Make it count. Thank you. You're in Ireland. If you're one of my fellow Welshmen, you better be there. You better be there. I'm sorry. You better be there, okay? By book, hook, crook, boat, whatever you got to do to get there. Uh, 
it's, it's something special is going to happen. Okay. It's a, it's our gift to you, the people for helping us get this far and beyond. Thank you very much. Look quickly before we start, obviously a shout out to Showtime, the label that pays. Uh, you want to catch Showtime Championship Boxing Saturday night, uh, Bellator around the corner, you know, all movies, all that good stuff. Go to Showtime.com right now. Get your 30 days free. And don't forget, what is it? Six months, Luke, at $3.99 if you go on from there? That's right. Six months of $3.99 uh, after your first trial period. So pretty nice. Pretty nice deal. Pretty nice. Uh, unbeaten lightweights this Saturday that we'll get to in a couple segments when Frank Martin takes on Michelle Rivera. So that's going to be a big one to watch there. Uh, your boy BC on Showbox back in January as well. So take the plunge uh, for Showtime. We'll be glad that you did. Shout out to Malka, CBS Sports, all the people that love us. Shout out to RJ Dunkelganger, Luke. Uh, what is the preferred alternate pronunciation in, of uh, Mr. Rowan Gartner's last name in your eyes? Is it RJ uh, Nasserbang or are we not, we're not doing that one anymore? I was going to make a joke, but I don't want to get us in trouble. So I'm just going to say RJ. Uh, R <laughs> I can't do it. I've got like five things I want to say. Yeah, all of them are like, like deeply pornographic. That's know? a great, that's a good point. Let's take back all that stuff. Uh, RJ, our fantastic merch maven is Ron to remind us. You can go to morningcombat.store right now. Although we have passed the guaranteed phase of getting your flat rate shipping to your house by Christmas, Gift cards are available right now on morningcombat.store if you missed a deadline, but you want to put your hubby in a sweet bomber jacket, uh, you know, one of these t-shirts, hats, uh, mugs. I'm sure I'm sure Luke's got merch all over that office right there. It looks fantastic. It feels even better, okay? So there you go, morningcombat.store. Get your gift cards now for whichever holiday you celebrate. Uh, YouTube.com slash morningcombat, of course, our extras our bonus content our channel uh i got a nice sit down with jerron boots ennis he's not going to fight until january 7th on the showtime pay-per-view tank return in the co-main event for the interim ibf welterweight title but how about his thoughts on spence crawford everyone at large where he stands in what 2023 will look like check that out luke you got any anything else to sell i mean i got this this mug of happiness right here they call athletic greens you know what i mean uh, yeah, we can get to that in just a second. Just a reminder, that January 7th card here in the capital of Estados Unidos, Washington, D.C., my hometown. B.C., I was looking at some of the, the tentative schedule for stuff we have to do that week. I cannot tell you how exciting it's going to be to go do that, and then I get to go back to my house and sleep uh, in my own bed. Tukes, Tukes is going to love that. But did So wait, so January 7th, Showtime pay-per-view, Tank Davis versus uh, Hector Garcia there. We can't wait. But... January 6th is an anniversary. It's also the day of the weigh-in. Do you think the the, the folks, uh, you know, Showtime PBC, they would be brazen, brazen enough to put that on the Capitol steps that weigh-in, Luke, just to commemorate yeah. history? Well, January in D.C. can still be pretty cold, so I doubt it for those reasons alone. Also, okay. that would be fucking weird to do that. Also, yeah. <laughs> a lot of those spaces are closed off anyway. Some of them used to be more open to the public like five, ten years ago, but it's all pretty closed off now. They're like, well, Morrow couldn't be here, but we'd like to welcome Pat Militich back to the Showtime broadcast. Be like, well, the timing is suspect. Alex but, Jones uh, barking into a megaphone, you know. Yeah. Can't wait for that, though. Uh, speaking of this mug, Luke, you know what I do every morning? I wake up. All right. Beat off. I take eight ounces of this, this, this magic. I pour it into this glass, fill it up with water or eight ounces of water with one scoop of this green. So you know where I'm going with this Luke. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm cutting the line on health. Like I'm cheating my way back into the game and Luke, it's coming. It's taking time. I'm working on this extra weight, but on the way there, I could be doing worse than starting my day with an injection of AG one. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That's right. 
That's right. You want better gut health. You want more energy. You don't want to take a bunch of vitamins and pills. AG1's got you covered. Tastes super healthy. Mild tropical taste. Doesn't taste like you're just, you know, swallowing and chewing up raw broccoli or something. It's got a little punch to it, but not too crazy. Pretty mild. Pretty easy for everyone. It's hard. It's hard to go wrong with AG1. Indeed, indeed. I take it on the road with me, and the reason why I'm willing to take it everywhere, Luke, is because this special blend of ingredients that you mentioned, it's not just gut health, nervous system, immune system. It's kicking you in the ass for energy, recovery, focus, aging. It's just another additional thing you can do. In my case, Luke, when I restarted my health, this was the only thing I was doing at first, but it started me each morning putting something healthy in my body, setting that table, and now whether I'm lifestyle-friendly in the direction of keto paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. I know it's okay for me because it's got less than one gram of sugar. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals. Luke, it still tastes good, though. This must, it must be a dream, bro. It's not a dream. It's reality. A little bit of investment each day in your health can go a long way. And, of course, it costs less than $3 a day. So you're investing in your health, as I just indicated, cheaper than your cold brew habit. And uh, it's something you can do every single day. Just one time a day. Again, not a bunch of pills, not a big old gallon of something. Just a very simple process to take great care of yourself. Would I re recommend chasing it with watermelon vape? No, Luke. But talking about recommendations, you're looking at stalwarts in the industry like Tim Ferriss, Michael Gervais, health experts who said this right here. Try. How about those 7,000 people that did five-star reviews? Uh, because they basically said they took the AG1 plunge and now they're not leaving this pool. They're they're living in it. They're swimming in it. So, Luke, if I was to call our people to action, here's what I'd say to them. Right now, you go to athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. And with your first purchase, you're going to get the five free travel doses that we mentioned. And how about a year's supply of immune-supporting vitamin D drops? I'll put that shit right in the middle of that AG1, Luke. It's like a little truth serum, and my body starts getting real for the first time, Luke, since they shut Cumbies down. You know what I'm saying? No doubt about it. And, of course, as we mentioned, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. By the way, flu and cold season coming up. Keep that in mind. And then five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. Booyah Shaka, Luke. Have you been watching the uh, Shaq documentary at all? Not yet, no. Okay. it's I've, I've enjoyed it. I've, I've been entertained. Um, uh, before we get into whether you're going to watch UFC Vegas 66, anything else big TV-wise going on for you? My wife finally had the... Well, she, I, so it's funny. One of the Showtime producers here, Matt, has been in our ears for a long time to watch White Lotus, which I guess... Oh, Daniel Snyder's kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah Daniel, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Snyder's kid. That's right. And... Uh, so my wife even, like, I, I hadn't even told her that. I'd just been kind of putting it in, like, you know, filing it in the, the back of the filing cabinet. And then my wife yesterday was like, hey, we should watch White Lotus. So we're going to start White Lotus tonight. We'll see how that goes. All right. All right. Get after that. I like that. I like Long Island Luke supporting your choice there, saying our, our producer, Luke Nosita, brother. So, uh, I mean, yeah, there we go. Luke, if he ever gets deported, he's got a home in Australia, at least, right? Long Island Luke? I don't think so. I think they'd boot his fucking ass out, too. But his yeah, dad they might to go. He's a, yeah, he's, yeah, there we go. All right, let's get into this weekend. Topic number one, uh, we set the stage, we previewed it, we hit the storylines. Right now, you're going to get some odds, some picks, and the reasons why it's UFC Vegas 66 back at the apex, the last UFC card of this 2022 calendar year. And Long Island Luke jumping in to say, don't worry, folks, I'm an Australian citizen. I'll be just fine. Thanks, Luke. We're talking about the UFC, though, right now. And we're talking about middleweights. 
Two guys that got pretty damn far. Cannoneer losing to Adesanya last time on the title level, Jared Cannoneer. But he's back here against a comebacking Sean Strickland, who maybe lost his potential number one contender fight against new champion now, Alex Pereira. But Luke, they both need this win to keep contention. They are varying levels of danger, though, that they bring to this. And I think because of that, it's very hard because it's the power of Cannoneer. It's the volume, toughness, consistency of Sean Strickland. But our friends at Caesars at the moment, minus 110 either way, a pick em for the main event. So we know how big this fight is, Luke. What separates these two X's and O's coming into this? Man, this one, the odds, I think, sometimes they're right. But most of the time, they're in the general proximity of right, even though, of course, that's not what they're used for. But in this case, the 110 to 110, both minuses, total pick em, as you indicated, Man, I've had a really, really hard time. Went back and watched some tape on both of these guys. If you look at some of the numbers, for example, on Cannoneer, you know, his knockdown rate in his overall UFC career is fine, but not commendable. But if you look at it at middleweight, it's actually pretty good. It goes up significantly because obviously he was at heavyweight, then light, and then, of course, middleweight, as everyone knows. So you look at him at middleweight, dude can thump, and he is in great shape, and even for 38 years old, and comes from a great camp. All the things that we talked about on Wednesday. So I'm going to tell you, BC, I, I, I'm going to make a pick. This is this is seriously a coin flip, but here's what I'm going to say. I do think that Cannoneer is going to make it interesting and hurt uh, Sean Strickland, but I tend to think that Strickland's volume and work over the course of time is going to be the difference maker. I think it could be one of these situations where it's three rounds to two. You know, it could get dicey in certain spots. We'll have to see. But if you've got youth on the case of Strickland, and he does sometimes get hit with the big bomb. I mean, his defense wasn't great in the Pereira fight, but in general, he's got 64% striking defensive rate, which is very high. I, I'm, I'm just not convinced. I mean, I, I don't know. My hunch is that Cannoneer, like, as like the one big punch guy against Strickland is not going to be enough. I think I like Strickland here to win, although... I wonder if you have the same feeling or you're going a bit of a different direction because this is a tough one. It's a very tough Yeah, you know, I mean, the odds tell you alone that you really can't be wrong here, but something's got to separate them. And I certainly get the argument for Strickland. You know, e even if you're just going age and momentum, okay, yeah, he just got knocked out by Pareto. But again, there was something that was out of character about that. And now Poetan's the champion. So it's, you know, it, it lessens the blow to a certain degree. But he's the guy with the larger, brighter future in a lot of ways. But is he the better fighter or the more the more dangerous fighter in a certain setting? I don't know. Not you know, definitely not on the latter when you're comparing power. But is he a better overall? I think a lot of this comes down to Cannoneer's mindset and what strategy he picks. Because look, in theory, being as filthy, casual, and distant as possible, when I look at Cannoneer, I'm like, okay, you know. You can try to just be the counterpuncher like you kind of were against Whitaker and try to land that big blow. You can try to box and establish and get off first, which I don't think he does enough of, Luke. You know, or, you know, you can you can go for broke and make it a fight and make it a war. At times, I almost wonder if Cannoneer's too technically skilled for his own good that sometimes he mutes his output or his intention to go in there and just say, look, I'm going to will and pull you into this action fight. It depends how he looks at this because he it's the, we talked about it Wednesday. The Adesanya fight's weird. He lost a wide decision. He deserved to lose a wide decision. But there were certain things that he did very well on an elite level that put himself in position to potentially, you know, make a run at taking over that fight. 
whether it was Adesanya's greatness, fear, or whatever, you know, he just never really stepped on that gas pedal. This is a step down in the, you know, overall craft technique and wizardry, even though I'm here to tell you Sean Strickland can box. I mean, you know, there's a lot that he does technically well. I mean, if, I, if I'm going to see a cannoneer that's coming in there to do damage, create big moments, but not looking around to just hope he lands that one shot, if he doesn't, I need him to tone down a little bit the game planning and realize what's left of the window in front of him paired with his age, which can be a little bit more of a scare tactic because he doesn't, he doesn't act that age in the cage. But, look, I need this guy to go after Sean Strickland and make this a fight. Um, do you think he can win it if he tries to play the angles and the X's and O's like he did against Adesanya? Can he win that way? Am I sounding like an idiot over here? Because no, I'm looking so. like, think, you got to break Strickland down. If he tries down. to go in there and, like, you know, I'm going to be the slicker of the two. Okay, okay. So there, there's de I mean, you definitely need to create openings. But I think what you're getting at is, like, I'm going to take a calm, measured pace. It's five rounds. Again, you don't want to be insane. But can I really be the guy who's just going to be the one who finds this shot and then two minutes later that shot and then a little bit later that shot and then just kind of ask the judges to weigh the accumulative effect against a guy like Sean Strickland? I don't really – I mean, it's always possible, but I don't buy that's his best method to victory. I think – Listen, box a brawler, brawl a boxer. And uh, I think Sean Strickland of the two has got, as you indicated, probably the better boxing, pure boxing anyway, at least the more consistent boxing. So I think trying to rough him up, get him out of the space he's comfortable in, backing him up, making him make bad choices through pressure, through activity, that kind of, not like the crazy activity, but like, um, you know, really like putting hard shots together. I, I think that's probably his best chance if, it, if there is one, uh, not the other way. Because, look, if I look at what's a, you know, in terms of picking them in a pick -em, again, it's something very slim that's going to lead the direction of where you're going. But, look, when I do look at Strickland fresh off of where his style can go completely wrong like it did against Pereira, man, if I'm, you know, if I'm Cannonera, this guy almost has the style to me that plays to me, meaning, look, I don't think Strickland's a huge knockout threat against Cannonera, but he operates at such a close distance letting his hands go then a lot of ways, that's where, at times, Cannoneer's going to need him to be. He's got to take advantage of that. He's got to slug with him. That's right. I would agree with that. I would agree with that completely. Uh, whether he will, whether he can, how it works, I guess we'll have to see. But I would agree, like, if I'm thinking about what he does differently and better uh, and what that means as a path to victory, I think you've laid it out for Cannoneer in about the best way, from a macro perspective anyway, that he can get. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, when you look at Strickland's style, which against the step down, meaning the, the, the solid contenders of the division, man, his craft looks really good. But can he be that same fighter on the championship level without being known as a knockout guy? Like, is he slick enough to do that style, which can be dangerous at time, crowding a guy, putting on constant pressure? When, you know, you don't look at him and say that guy's got cannoneer Poetan level finishing ability. No, I, I think that this style doesn't skip. I think the style works for, uh, it's funny, like there are certain styles that work really well for any kind of opponent, and then there are certain styles that work well up to a certain point in the division, and they just fall apart. I think Strickland would find against the Whitakers and against, obviously you saw what happened against Pereira, but against Izzy too, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't really get him over the hump. It may not get him over the hump against Cannoneer. Again, I want to say it one more time, minus 110, minus 110. A true pick -em in every sense of the word. So we'll see if it actually gets the job done here, but certainly against the proven, you know, championship, the championship guys, right? Izzy held the title, Pereira holds the title, Whitaker held the title. Against those guys, I don't think it works at all, no.
I like Cannoneer's chances here, Luke, because I like that he's, you know, he's got the championship round experience. He's got a good gas tank. He's very poised and patient. Sometimes I think to a fault on the higher he matched himself, but that can be a plus when you got the totality of a potential five round fight here against a high volume guy in Strickland, who's going to, you know, ultimately test your cardio just by executing that style. But again, he's got to hurt him. He's got to, I mean, you can't, I don't think you can go a point for point against Strickland, you know, with the fear of if you go to the scorecards, that constant volume could sway the judges. So Luke, we don't expect Cannoneer to shoot, but what level will Strickland's wrestling play in here? Because we talk about skills working up to a certain level. At a certain level, Strickland can be that grinder, take you down, and be nasty with elbows on top. I mean, there are there are that's part of his arsenal. But does that work in this fight, in your opinion? He might go to the wrestling. I don't think that he really will. I think the bigger issue might be uh, Strickland's how Strickland's defensive wrestling holds up, and his defensive wrestling is very good. Like it's legitimately excellent. And the takedown, of, it's funny, the takedown of both guys have better defensive wrestling than offensive wrestling, which can be true for a lot of folks, but it's especially acute in their case. Sean Strickland, very good defensive takedowns. And if you look at like the Jack Hermanson fight with Cannoneer and how Cannoneer was able to, like, to sort of athletically continue the scramble to get out of things, that really benefited him there. But if he wants to take down Strickland as a way to mix it up or whatever, I just don't think that's going to work. It might work for Strickland because, again, well, Cannoneer's got good defensive wrestling relative to his offense, but still not quite as good as um, on the defensive side as Strickland. So something to be said for that. But either way, I just don't think the wrestling will – okay, again, one never knows. My hunch right. is that the wrestling won't play a very dominant role. But watch me say that and come out, and these two fuckers are going to wrestle each other like, you know, Gamrot or Yukin <laughs> or something. Uh, you know, I'm playing a heavy Cannoneer card because I like him better in this matchup. He is my pick, but I do he's more wonder dangerous. if he's got to – He's more dangerous. He's got to stop him. Sure, but I think it's it's not just can he stop him. I mean, he's got to be the the fit more physical fighter in the clinch. He's got to come out hard with the leg strikes because, again, in my belief, Strickland's style is to Cannoneer's advantage because he'll be coming at him and will be close to him. But I think he's really got to work in those kicks and really try to make Strickland as stationary as possible to begin to chip away and get him out of there. But on the flip side, Luke, I don't want to make it all about uh, Cannoneer. Strickland is coming off, you know, a really big loss. I don't discount that Strickland is a smart fighter, despite, you know, the very purposefully crazy persona that he puts out. Are we overlooking, am I overlooking the potential for him to really learn from that? As short as that Poetan loss was, it was devastating. So, you know, is the, is this, that was that a wake up call in ways that we may, that we may not be thinking about because when you put a microphone in front of Strickland, you get now what you should expect to get just, you know, political uh, weirdness. I mean, it's, it's, He's more likely to get fired than we are, Luke, and that's saying something, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I tend to think that like there's a positive and a negative in the way he took the Poetan loss. On the negative side, he was like, yeah, I'd fight him the same way again. It's like, well, then you would probably get the same result. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That doesn't seem very wise. On the other hand, it looked like he didn't take it to heart too much. You know, like he didn't seem... I'm sure he didn't love it. I'm sure he wasn't happy about it. I'm sure he was sad about it in, in whatever ways that Sean Strickland can be. But I don't it didn't seem like it like he really like got down about it. He wanted to get right back in there and get going. He likes hard sparring. He likes consistent activity, you know. That's sort of what keeps him sharp. So in that sense, I think it will benefit him a little bit. The question is, you know, if he goes in there with a very odd game plan against Cannoneer, you know, I mean, he's not gonna switch it up, right? Like, so the whole point is he has to have the right idea up front. Otherwise, I think it's going to come apart. But if he has the right idea up front, then it becomes the cannoneer obligation 
to disrupt it, right? That's how that right. has to go. And when you when you when we're thinking about potential additions or rounding out of Strickland's game to have potentially use the Poetan loss as a you know a, a, a change mechanism here. I mean, him adding the jab and adding the ability. I mean, it's not that he doesn't have a jab. I mean, him owning the space in front of him more often, using that jab to hold distance. I don't know if he can pull that off against Cannonier, who is a much more underrated boxer than people realize or give him credit for. Lee. I like, you know, again, he doesn't always let his hands go. Sometimes Cannonier's too patient. And he waits for the perfect moment. Right. But that guy can can move his head, play angles, work off the jab. I don't know. You know, as much as like if you're Strickland, okay, you might want to keep Cannonier at distance. That may be playing into something that Jared does well. I don't know if I agree with that. I think if they just had a striking distance at contact, uh, at, at range, um, more often than not, Strickland's going to win that. Like, I don't see him as the great disruptor, perhaps in the way that you do. Um, I could be wrong. I guess we'll have to see. But I don't quite see him as playing that role where he's got, like, the excellent craft. Dude, like, what the Izzy fight showed, what it showed a lot of guys, is that he had, we talked about it before, a great ability to game plan. His team is very smart. John Crouch, those guys at MMA Lab, dude, they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. You know, but the problem he had was that he could defensively neutralize Izzy and not really put any offense behind it. Like, he just couldn't get it going. He has to make trade-offs, right? He has to make yeah. trade-offs. So he has to make the right trade-off here where he's not too defensive without, you know, getting lit up, obviously, and then allowing that the rest of the, that, that dangerous part of his game to breathe. It couldn't breathe against Izzy. It might be able to breathe against Sean, but I don't think he can balance both quite as nimbly as, as you suggest. Yeah, well, it's, it's hard because he plays chess, meaning uh, Cannoneer, better than people realize. That's what allowed him to, you know, make that make that um, Adesanya fight interesting if you felt that pockets of that were interesting. Obviously, it was more like I'm just screaming at the TV. Go for it. Throw your hands. But, you know, on this level, if Strickland is not of that super elite level, Luke, and I have my questions, I think Jared's boxing is going to do fine here. I mean, look, he boxed very well after losing that Whitaker fight and those two wins. It was Brunson and uh, I forgot who the other one was that he got. Um, who did he be? Oh, Gastelum that he took a decision from in a close competitive fight. Gastelum really put a lot into that camp and, and came after him well. Um, I don't know. All, either way, I like Cannoneer's skills better. My biggest fear for him, though, is if Strickland has consistent success, volume punching, getting inside without leaving himself open for big counter strikes. Will that lead to Cannoneer being too cute, too perfect in trying to land the right shot and have his overall offense suffer in terms of scoring close rounds? That's the biggest fear I would have for him. I do, though, like we talked about, have questions whether Strickland can use wrestling to his advantage and how that may alter this game. I mean, we don't expect uh, Cannoneer to shoot at all, right, Luke? Under any circumstance, correct? I wouldn't say under any circumstance, but highly unlikely. Possible, but yeah. I would put I would bet against it. For sure, I would bet against it. All right. It. Uh, in postscript, what does the winner get here, in your opinion? Who's next for the winner? This is a big fight. Um, I, I still think that there's... So they just added a fight to... Uh, well, they, it was announced yesterday between like Marvin Vittori and Roman Delizze. You might get the mm -hmm. winner of that. Like You might get the winner of somewhere like that. And then the winner of that... You're not far from a title at all at that point. You could potentially even get it. Now, it remains unclear because Whitaker has this fight allegedly with Paulo Costa, although he suggests it's not really there. And I guess the winner of that would get the winner of whatever eventual rematch there might be. So title shot, you can't be like, oh, yeah, guaranteed. But it puts you one or two fights away, I would say. Probably two okay. fights away, I would say. Something like that.
The only wild card to that scenario, in my opinion, is whether they ever like break glass and go, oh, Chimaev, we need to replace this main event. Go fight a top break middleweight. You know what I mean? Like if anything like that crazy happens right. to alter yeah. that. And, and I, again, th that's, that's the great point. There's always the Chimaev sweepstakes out there and how that could change things. But I still feel like you get a win like this, especially if you can't, or especially if you're Strickland, excuse me, and you can bump back up in the rankings. This can do yeah. a lot for you in terms of getting you the marquee matchups against former champions or would be, you know, kind of guys. Would you say a loss is devastating to either one? I mean, there's there's a there's a time crunch to a setback here if they lose, meaning they got to work their way back around. Yeah, it's devastating for Kenanier. That's who would be. Okay. I mean, it wouldn't be great for Strickland. It'd be bad, uh, especially if it's like like. Remember, we didn't discuss this. You know. The guy got viciously KO'd by Pareto. Now that wasn't exactly like yesterday, but you know, other he spars fucking hard. You know, like what kind of lingering effects could there be that could open him up for the knockout in a in a subsequent contest? I guess we'll have to see. But we we, we talked about it on Wednesday, BC. Thirty one years old for Sean Strickland, thirty eight for Jared Cannonier. Like I, you know, if he, he beats Strickland, he's still kind of in the ball game. But if yo, he loses, yo, to Strickland, yo, let's just be real here. Cannonier's going to win by knockout, Luke. Probably in the fourth. Cannonier by fourth round knockout. He might. Dude, it. He might. This is, dude, this is a coin right flip. He honestly might. I'm going to go Strickland, but he might. He might. I just feel like, you know, there's going to be that moment where Strickland bites off more than he can chew at a distance where he can pay for it. And and it's not just because of that, the way that that happened with Poetan, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, we do have to see him bounce back mentally from that just the same. So interesting fight, big stakes, good matchmaking. Happy for that. But Luke, you have indicated that this week's sex bowl comes in that co main event. Lightweight. It's, it's bowl season. Yeah, I mean, holy friggin' crap. We're talking about hammers. We're talking about the future of hammerdom. We're talking about very close betting odds here. Arman Sarukian has only lost in the UFC at the very highest level. Gamrot Mahachev, we know about that. He'll be a minus 190 betting favorite when welcoming in the uh, unbeaten the UFC here, the red hot Demir Ismagulov, Ismagulov, if you will. Uh, somewhere in there is a correct pronunciation, plus 160. Luke, to set it up like this, I, I thought back on our discussion on Wednesday. I crunched tape like Dom Cruz said I need to. I, I think you're underrating Sarukian's striking game and the improvements he's attempted to make, uh, you know, since when he started off when it was merely a vehicle to set up his takedowns. I mean, do I need him to be you know, at his very best striking wise in this matchup for sure. But dude, he's got the power and intention. And I think he's got the vehicles also to make that a big part of this fight. And I, I, I look, I, I feel, I heard the interviews with him. I found out why he's taking on such a hard fight. Nobody would fight him in the top five or 10. He said he doesn't turn down fights. He said this was the only fight offered to him. And Luke Thomas, he also said Demir and him did some wrestling sparring in Thailand in the past. And he felt that that gave him the confidence that he knows what he's getting into. He's taking this fight because that's how he's wired and made to make as big of a statement possible. Damn, did he come close against Gamrot. As much as we got to respect Demir, dude, your boy Armand Sarukian's coming on and he's loaded and armed and ready for action here, Luke. Don't fear at all about the well-rounded threat aspect. He's going to show you something striking-wise in this one. So that's yeah, my opening statement to you, okay? Yeah, yeah. So I'm picking Ismogulov in this one. Which is something I never thought I would want to do, but I am I have been cornered and I don't have much of a choice at this one. I do not like now, this fight cornered, you can cornered is pressured. Why are you pressured to, to, to go against Armenia here? Well, again, of all the fights, I mean here's the thing. I think Saryukian's long term potential here is championship level. I really believe that. I think he's extremely talented. But man, 
I just think everyone and their fucking brother has slept on Demir Ismagulov, and I don't really understand why. Um, if you watch the tape on him, it is not fucking difficult to figure out. He is extremely good. He has been uh, taken down one time through his UFC fights. It was against another guy who, by the way, is eventually going to enter the rankings. Guram Kutateladze, a Georgian guy who's just a fucking hammer himself. That was a brutally difficult fight. And what you notice is it happened very quickly. It was off a trip from the clinch, and he didn't even get him to get his hips turned over. His hips were still facing the mat, so it wasn't even really a full takedown. That is it. And every other fucking guy who has tried to take him down hasn't even gotten close at all, at all. You add in behind the fact that he also can wrestle offensively. He's not just a striker who can like defend the takedown. He's like well-versed as a wrestler. He's got one of the best jabs in the UFC. Listen to the words I'm saying. He's got one of the best jabs in the UFC. He doesn't take a lot of damage. He manages around well. His balance is incredible. His feet are always under him. This is, in my judgment, I would, believe me, believe me, nothing would make me happier than being wrong about this and Saryukin getting his hand raised. But I think it's too much too soon. I think Demir Spagulov is going to wake up a lot of people here who, because this dude doesn't speak English and doesn't do interviews in English like no one has ever, like, what was your favorite Demir Ismagulov interview this week? Like, it didn't make the rounds. Um, yeah. You're, you're, I think a lot of people are about to find out the hard way how good this guy is. All right, look, if he's if he's the goods, if he's another hammer, Luke, that I got to find room for that we're pulling out, hashtag holy hammer, then, then maybe you're right. But if I'm going to devil's advocate that take, and again, I mean, your guy's on fire. He's, you know, he's, he's great. I watched the tape, too. He's very good. I mean, he's technically amazing. But Luke Thomas, he's coming off a split decision. He hasn't been a finisher on this level, and he went the distance against uh, Joel Alvarez, who Saryukian, I mean, turned into a horror film against Luke and, and violently finished. Um, Experience-wise, in the UFC, you'd have to, even with the defeats, you'd have to give a he heavy edge to Saryukian. So how much does that matter, or is Demir just, you know, another Shavkat Rachmanov, another guy who's just like, it doesn't matter who they fought or haven't fought. Give them the chance and watch what happens. Luke, I think you're I mean, so your guys are meaning. I, I would Georgia, actually say right? I would actually say Ismagulov, Gamrot fight notwithstanding, but I would actually say Ismagulov's actually had a tougher run to the UFC. In the UFC. In the UFC. Yeah. I mean, the first well, okay, so let's go through these here very quickly. I'm so not the, saying he hasn't fought anybody, dude. I'm not saying that, but I understand. You know. So he fought Alex Gorges, who, you know, was totally overmatched. That one doesn't mean much for me. But then he beat Joel Alvarez, okay, quality opponent. Then he beat Tiago Moises, quality opponent. Then he beat Rafael Alves, quality opponent. And then he beat Guram Kutateladze. And I'm, I know that folks don't know who that is. You're, you're, you're gonna. Trust me when I tell you you're gonna. Um, now, Saryukian has had an interesting run as well. He had, well, he had Makachev. So the Makachev fight, okay, that, that would make it over the top. But in terms of the wins, uh, yeah, OAM, so, Luke, OAM, Davi Hamo. OAM, come on, dude. That's your PFL champion. And I didn't need the smart cage to remind me of that, Luke. Put some respect in, on a, Canada. It's a quality win, but, I, you know, who's tougher, Kutateladze or OAM? Like, Kutateladze is way tougher. Okay, uh, who's, you know, I, I got, I got Gamrod and Islam. Got, and in the middle of his resume, he's got Matt Frivola and Christos Giagos. Those are not especially... Difficult in my judgment, and then he has the loss to Gamrot. So, like, you could even it, 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 you could because of Makachev being his UFC the UFC debut. Fine, I will, I will, uh, I will grant that overall he has had a tougher run. But that initial debut, notwithstanding, since then, like their last five, I would say Ismagulov's last five have been probably just as tough, if not tougher. 
Would you say, though, that Saryukin's the only person that, like, made Islam work? And that, like, oh, yeah, showed dude, listen, at that point? It sounds like I'm shitting UFC on the guy debut? that I like. I'm not shitting on the guy that I like. I think that this is too much too soon. I think that's the problem. He's got good positional control. He's got phenomenal athleticism. He is a better wrestler than Ismagulov. But the question is, like, how much better? I guess that, really, that's what this fight comes down to, right? Like, how much better of a wrestler is Armin Saryukian than Ismagulov? And if the answer is substantial, well, then all of my analysis is out the window. But watching yeah, what so Ismagulov has done previously, I tend to think that there's a, there's a difference, but not a substantial one. And because there's not a substantial one, there won't be a substantial difference. And also, now, by the way, for the, the, win, the win over Kuta Teladze, they have it wrong in here. It was a majority decision. And by the way, okay. the one judge who had it a tie, ready for this? Douglas Crosby. Oh. Douglas fucking oh, that, Crosby. That is that is perfect, by the way. Wow. Yeah. Um, and you know, just but you know, we are getting uh, emotional here, but this is still a you know, not a pick 'em, but pretty damn close. And yes, both of these guys in the long run are probably gonna do great things, but it I don't know, it's interesting. So you're framing it under the idea of which the stats will tell you you're not wrong to suggest this that if Saryukin cannot consistently take him down and make those takedowns matter, then on the feet he's going to have problems with someone like Demir. That's what you're telling me right now. Luke. Yeah, and I think Demir is aided by the fact that he can wrestle. Like, he's, again, I want to be more, it's not one of these guys who's like a striker who just learned how to wrestle. I mean, that may be his story, but if you just look at the way he wrestles, he can do it fluidly in both directions. He's a very good wrestler. He is aided by the fact that folks, under, they, they sleep on this. His jab, cannot say it over and over again without like really being like as, as emotive as I am. His jab is excellent and that helps him define the range it helps him set up his other punches it helps keep him safe here's one thing i will note bc all of his ufc fights have gone to a decision all of them all of them he is not yeah. a power puncher so if this were a five round contest i think we'd have to somewhat alter how we're viewing this but yeah. it's a three round and i know what folks are saying wait a minute it's mugulov saryukian's three and strickland cannoneer is five they got it backwards they got it backwards, but that's how it is. That's what, we, that's what we've got this weekend. And so for three rounds, Ismagulov's cardio will not drop. It, this is too tough too soon for me. And I, I, listen, okay. I want to I warn folks, I am a, I'm a negative person. I think that's a... I think that's yeah, a you're, a, you're a, a negative Nancy, a Debbie Downer, an old bitch. We know yes, that. Yes, yes. Okay. I, I, so, so, so couch whatever analysis I'm giving you with that in mind. But truly, I mean this. I think that for 25 years old, Saryukian is just a superb fighter. But the very unique contours of this fight give me a lot of concern. All right. As much as you framed it your way, my way, yes, I need Saryukian to be able to use offensive wrestling and potentially, you know, do something with it for sure. No, I agree. He can't. I don't, you know, I think Demir's too technical for, for Saryukian to just try to purely outbox him or anything, or I'll kickbox him on that level. Although, again, Saryukian, even in the Gamrot fight, Luke, much more confident and sharp with his boxing, but it's got he's got to inflict some level of physical damage. He's got to use the three rounds to his advantage here and make the magic happen with with you know aggression and be physical in the transitions, like the like the the clinches and stuff like that. I mean, this is he's got to step up. I just feel like. We all believe he's wired to do so. So, Luke, he's our he's Armenian, but from Georgia. I want to make sure I get this right, right? No, That's he's correct? Armenian, but lives in Russia. There's there's a close connection between Armenians and Russians. I mean, obviously, it's a former satellite state. But, um, but yeah, a okay, lot of Armenians have like Russian Luke. ties or something. 
Yeah, he was he was born in Georgia. I got it now. I mean, you know, you both so both of you guys came of age in Georgia. That's interesting. But Luke, the thing is, um, uh, you know, as much as it is is we we're gonna need a lot from Sarukian here. I just think he has the goods already. It's just about you know shifting things around on the shelf and 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 get it in the right order and balance it out. I don't discount what Demir can do, but you also mentioned he's been a decision fighter up to this point. He's going to have to control a lot of this fight technically while avoiding danger. And I I need Armin Sayukin to create that danger. I think he can. I think he can win an exciting close. It's going to have to be close against a guy this skilled in Demir. But, you yeah. know, I have questions if Demir can then make the continue to make the leap on the run. Like, look, if he comes out, if, if your boy wins this, we already established that he's got to kind of win it on his own terms and control it, which is in play. I mean, maybe he's not Shavkat Rachmanov part two, but like that level of of like, oh shit, is going to be behind him. So you're basically saying this guy is fucking the goods, right? Like, I mean, you're putting so it's, the stamp It's, it's, it's a right. funny comparison. Now, obviously, Shavkat Rachmanov is a very different fighter, different weight class, the whole thing. But if I had to say like what unites Rachmanov and Ismogulov, it would be that like Ismogulov doesn't have any of the danger of his game that Rachmanov has. Like Rachmanov can fucking knock you down ground and pound he's got great subs whatever but in terms of like being defensively sound and patient and calm and making good decisions and like kind of fundamental everywhere yeah i would say that unites them for sure right. rachmanov though right. is just a, rachmanov is just a different fucking animal i mean he's you know he's so, gonna be a champion he's he's amazing you got you got 29 28 uh demir yeah, I think Demir's going to do what he's been doing. I think in the end, if they fight in two to three years, I think it's a totally different ball game. But I think Demir is a little bit ahead in his development relative to Saryukian, and I think that's going to show. But listen, was, if we get it wrong, has, I'll come here and eat crow pie on Monday or whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll serve it to you, Luke, happily. Uh, Saryukian has leading man potential, Luke, okay? He doesn't, it doesn't, you don't need to put this guy in a buddy cop. Let's let's make him the star. He's coming on. It's it's time, okay? All right. Armenia right. has risen. All right, this is this one's for Edmund. All right, he will move his head. I know Armin. He will. He will, Luke. Okay, there we go. Hey, let's keep going down this card. Um, dude, that the more and more I think about it, Drew Dober versus Bobby Green, Luke. They are going to bang, and the odds are very close with Dober minus one fifty, Bobby Green plus one thirty. But something we didn't mention on Wednesday, I did want to ask you. Green is coming off of this USADA hiccup, and Luke, I don't know if you heard his interviews this week, but they. <laughs> Damn, they've been colorful, Luke. There's a interesting rant about, you know, he probably he thinks Islam Mahachev has been taking steroids since he was a child, and that's <laughs> why guys from that region are so strong. I mean, Bobby Green was going off on the mic, Luke. Um uh he's gonna get stopped here, isn't he? I don't know. I don't know, yeah, I man. Bobby Green is a slickster. Bobby Green is a slickster. Bobby Green has good boxing. Um, he has good, I think, like Pretty good defense. Like, okay, his striking defense, according to Fight Metric, dude, over 51%. That's about normal. About 50% is about about right. Dude, well, Bobby Green's at 62. 62%. That's pretty good. 72% takedown defense. I think Dober is massively improved, which we saw in his last fight against Alves. Um, and he's a better kickboxer, but Bobby Green's a better boxer. And I think this is really going to come down to who defines the terms of the range. Uh, you said the odds. I did not. I mean, go back and look at them one more time. How do they have it? They have Dober as a minus 150, Green as a plus 130. Yeah, that's probably right. Dober, I think Dober takes the fight a little bit more um, intentional, whereas Green kind of just reacts to what his opponent does and then tries to box him up a little bit. 
which may or may not work in this case. But um, Bobby Green can definitely win this contest. I think the odds are probably just about right. And if Dober is not careful, by the way, Dober gets dropped a lot. Like Dober got oh, dropped yeah. and hurt in his last contest. You know, this is on the table for sure. This I'd be curious to hear. Why do you think Dober is that much of, in your mind, a favorite? Uh, the last two fights, consecutive knockouts. Yes, he welcomes damage, but right now he's he's a pocket rocket, Luke, and I think he's figured out some levels of his craft to rein in his defense a bit and try to just be smarter in his game planning. Although I think, look, at the end of the day, he's a he's an athletic you know striker and goes after it. But I I do think this is a very important fight on Bobby Green's career arc, and you know he had kind of like raised himself above the level of, of, you know, every man with that recent run that led him to the Mahachev fight. And, you know, and he's always willing on short notice, but, you know, he's also advanced in age and experience, Luke. And I think, you know, if he's going to win this, he's going to have to prove that he's, that that wasn't like a Masvidal season of, of just, you know, lighting the bottle, figured out how to be as good as I can for a season. I have questions if he can maintain that is really my biggest question here. And I think Dober's coming on and is going to make this a fight where even though the odds are giving respect to this, the skills that green really does have, I mean, green's, you know, fun to watch as he flows as a striker, but look, he welcomes danger as well at times and is willing to go mano a mano. And I just think Dober has figured out right now how to, how to be as, as offensively dangerous as possible while still being somewhat, somewhat responsible. I mean, you know, to a point Luke, right. He's coming to that party to, steal your beer well, and he, probably he, take, take I'll, your lady I'll say home, this. You know? he, he's definitely gotten more resilient over time. Like, learning how to fight hurt. We don't ever talk about that, but learning how to fight hurt and learning how to fight tired and then learning how to fight when you're hurt and tired, these are skills. These are skills you have to work on, and sometimes they're very difficult to work on. It's easier to work on them being tired than hurt um, in, a, in a training situation. But uh he's gotten really good at that it cost him a little bit in the riddell fight where he wasn't really able to to to, to work that through but um in general like in the last contest he was able to, to to make that work and that's a real big benefit he can get dropped and not lose actually the bearing that you think someone in this case might um you know i don't know if, i don't know how i feel about bobby green like he's kind of all over the place a little bit two years older um you know it's a little bit hard to pin down in terms of like what you can count on from him uh, but yeah. the thing is, I do think he's got good defensive movement. I do think, you know what? I might pick green here. I might pick green just for shits and giggles. You, I'm not even really sure if he's going to win, but just for fun on the show, I'll, I'll take green and say, I think that his slick boxing might be the difference maker. Maybe. Yeah. Well, look, nobody, as you like to often say, nobody actually knows who's going to win, Luke. I mean, I knew Woodley till I fucking knew that. You know, Woodley, yeah, I mean, Ganu, this Rasko, picks are I stupid, but people like them for fun, and I hope people understand. My picks are bad. Don't bet on them. But, you know, if you can get some insight one way or the other, I hope it works. Yeah, I mean, we all get hooked on a feeling, but, you know, how many times is a fight going to going to plan for your prediction and then it falls apart? This sport is wild. Well, I mean, look, you could do everything right, and then it goes wrong. You know, it's like life, right? Yeah, I mean, I've mostly been doing it wrong this whole time, but, yeah. Things have been going right the last three years. You you would say that, right? Because I sacrificed oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. those three I mean, needles some to get well. you these three years of joy, Luke. Okay, us coming together. Wow, right? What a what a collision in the desert and the sparks and the. And hey, the you, you know what totally lacked joy was the pre-show call today. <laughs> Luke, I, I love I love creativity and 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 I love our fans. Okay, that's all I'll say. I love that. Yeah, no, right? I'm not Thank even you. disagreeing with you. It wasn't, but folks who know what I'm don't know what I'm joking about. Well, BC and I didn't have a disagreement. We're fine. But BC and some other motherfuckers had a big old disagreement. 
Don't don't try to put my passion in a bottle, Luke. Okay, that <laughs> bottle will burst in, uh, on I your see that. on I your loins. It'll spoil your loins. Yeah, believe that, uh, Luke. Uh, you know, short of me taking this 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 next one in the direction of Cheyenne Vlismus, was there anything else you wanted to say <laughs> about the fights above or below hers, Luke? Uh, of course, you went that direction. Let me just see if there's anyone. You know, the Julian Arosa-Alex Caceres fight is kind of interesting. I think Arosa's probably better at this point and should win this one, but he gets hurt and dropped and fucked up and finds ways to come back, but then sometimes doesn't. He kind of is like a wild card in that way. Also, the other one I think is worth paying attention to, you could say Saeed Nurmagomedov, but the one I really, really like, the one I think it's kind of interesting, is uh, Jake Matthews, who looked unbelievable in his last contest. Who I, there was a guy who I thought they'd fucked up his development, and, uh, you know, one fight doesn't completely upend it, but he looked so good against Fialio, I was just like, wow, we got to see what this kid's all about. So the fight against Semmelsberger should be fun. He should win that one, but it should be fun. Look, for our Polish fans who love Punchkis and Joanna as much as I do, uh, you never talk about Alferan impersonator Michal Oleksiejczyk, who's a minus 275 favorite fresh off his victory against Sam Alvey uh, against uh, Cody Brundage, uh, a husband of ABC, Luke. Uh, you don't care about that fight at all? Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, I don't have any, I like either fighter there. I think they're, they're fine and good even, but, uh, that fight doesn't like do a lot for me. I mean, just look, just do this. So we understand. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. That karate chop in the air has never gotten this show in trouble. Yeah. I mean, you got to understand what it meant. It didn't mean what you thought it meant, Luke. Okay. Oh, All right. Oh God. All right, Luke, uh, as a minus one ninety favorite, potentially here in the ESPN plus prelims featured bout, the women's strawweight division offers us the return of Cheyenne Vlismith as a favorite in a featured role, looking to extend to three wins in a row, plus one sixty Corey McKenna stands in her way. Luke, give me one reason to stay here, or I'll turn right back around. Why should I not put all the money on Cheyenne? Why should you not put all the money on Cheyenne? Yeah, you got it. You know, if you believe in your favorite fighters, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Unless unless you're like James Krause and you're like too in deep, Luke. You know, then you got to respect the boundaries. Uh, why should you not put all of your money in Cheyenne? Let me think that through. That's an interesting question. All right, so she's taking on Cody McK uh, Corey McKenna, right, if I'm not mistaken. So that's, yes, yeah. that's correct. Um, BC... She does have high output, Blissmas. I think that's important. Um, McKenna's defense is not superb. The only issue here is McKenna will go for a lot of takedowns. Two per 15 minutes, Blissmas almost nothing. So really, the takedown defense has got to be on point. 73% existing for Blissmas. She's going she's gonna to need that. So really, you know, I'm not going to say striker versus grappler. That's a little bit overwhelmed because here's Blissmas on top, right, doing uh, phenomenal ground and pound work. So it's not like she can't do it there either. But I will say that probably against this particular opponent, keeping it on the feet for at least the majority of the time is going to be in her interest. Can she do that? Probably. Probably is the answer. But we're going to have to see. I think she's just starting to put her striking together, meaning she has like a gymnastics background, Luke, and is a very good athlete. And, you know, her that one finish she had two fights ago kind of showed that. But, like, if she starts to figure this out a little bit more and, and, and can make more dangerous offerings in the striking game, which she's been doing... Could knock on doors. She could be a problem, you know, to, to sort of be a, a factor. I mean, you got to prove it in this division against some established people, and she's not quite there yet. But 
Uh, interesting to watch. I mean, look, maybe all that training with uh, Roman Delizze was coming on as well. You know, iron sharpening iron, Luke, because you're talking about Roman maybe getting Vittori. Like, they're they're believing in him, too. They're believing in her with this placement. So we'll see, okay? Okay. Someone, someone, get, call, hor someone call horny jail. I think there's someone <laughs> who needs to be in prison. You know, I mean, you know, did, did I really want to ask you if you would support a catchweight fight between JP and Roman for the passport, Luke? Would you, I mean, for the visa, would you be into that kind of like reality TV matchmaking? No, I knew I'd, that. I'd watch, in, so. I'd watch that before I watched fucking slap fighting. By the way, BC, I That's didn't tell true. you, I'm starting my own league where people throw dog shit in each other's faces. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Luke, we are supposed to let the fans know that, um, in 2023, you and I will be competing every Friday on Morning Combat, making fight picks. I don't know if we're. I don't see. No, that's a suggestion. That's not like a guarantee. So, uh, does our producer Mikey want the fans to help us produce this segment? Yeah, I mean, the email. For, so, for the email for the show is Morning Combat at Gmail. Like, what do you guys want to see? If we did a regular picks segment, because you know I hate doing them, but I'll do them for the art because that's what they're all they're good for is art. Uh, let us know. Let us know. Do you want us to compete, have a head-to-head, -head, or do you want us to compete against the fans? Do you want to, like, how do you want to structure these? Uh, do the fans want to compete against each other, potentially for some prizes? Like, there's a couple ways we could sort of chop this up. What do you guys want to do? Let Mikey and the producers know, morningcombat at gmail.com. We kind of want to make picks a bigger segment in 2023, but we want to make sure we're doing it in a way that the fans would like the most. Maybe, maybe something a little bit original, BC. Whatever yeah, that might be. yeah. Fans competing against fans. Look, I live for this shit. You know that. But if you know, if they make me go against you in in an effort to avoid doing something embarrassing on a public level, I'd, you know, I might. I'm, you know, I am a gunslinger in some some ways, Luke. I got a little Brett Favre in me. Not like the defrauding seniors out of money, but the, you know, the other side of it. Like I'll throw into into <laughs> double coverage, Luke. You know that, okay? You know that, all right? Dude, Brett Favre will steal. Will he not? That dude will just. Yeah. Money. Oh, that guy's the yeah, that yeah, that guy's the worst. Remember he said he'll those steal, he'll steal picks? money and then yeah. send you a picture of his like purple hog. He's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember when he was on the Jets that one year. That was a weird year. That first game he was awesome, and then he you know started showing his dick. But then he got like real good with the Vikings, like all time good again. Did did yeah. you think he? Do you think he uh ingested the wind straw into his prick, Luke, before sending that pick? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't know about that, but like, do I think? You know, a dirtbag like that was doing everything he could to <laughs> yeah, get a dub. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. All right, do you give him credit on the night his dad died at that Monday night football game against the Raiders when he threw, like, 12 touchdowns? That was yeah, pretty I mean, awesome, that was right? incredible. That was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that was just a totally triumphant moment of the human spirit, you know. Maybe dude, aided he, by Winstrol, but still. Dude, he was in the zone, Luke, okay? Yeah, that was. happens in sports. That happens on morning combat. Sometimes, Luke, you got to get out, get out of the way and let the BDE splash the screen, right? Yeah, that's not what happens here ever, but if that's a thing that you imagine happening and it helps you do a better show, then I let you enjoy the uh, the uh, you know, the flotsam and jetsam of your mind. Fridays are for the art, Luke. You already know that. Uh let's make picks and topic 2 as well. Showtime Championship Boxing. I'm telling you, this is a must-see main event in terms of the future of the lightweight division and very good matchmaking where two guys on the rise, unbeatens, Michelle Rivera versus Frank Martin, Showtime Championship Boxing. Uh, Luke, where's this emanating from? I forgot off the top of my head. Uh, oh, Vegas. The Vegas. Cosmo yes. in Vegas. Yes, that's yes. Right, I, I think, think that's Cosmo where Park. one of the Showtime producers is this weekend. 
Absolutely. So, uh, triple header Saturday night was at 9 p.m. Eastern, probably like that on Showtime. Luke, a reminder that you and I, is it 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube? Yes, we go live on the YouTubes. By the way, so the show is at 10 p.m. on regular Thank Showtime. You. you and I go live on YouTube, not here at Morning Combat, but at the Showtime Sports YouTube channel at 8. 8 p.m. in the East, you can catch me in BC. Love it. Love it. We'll be calling a couple fights, having a good preview to set the stage for the evening. And Luke, this triple header, I mean, I love this main event. So Luke, both unbeaten, both ready like to make that leap to the title level, but to be fair, both really have yet to face that that big name that would propel them. So they're basically saying, let's face each other. Both in their 20s, entering the peak of their, you know, the early peak of their physical prime, but still putting the complete game together. If you're trying to separate who these guys are, Michelle Rivera, more of the pure boxer, uh, when he's allowed to to jab from distance and set up that right hand, sometimes he can be a bit too formulaic, but if he can control the terms of the fight, he is slick, he's got great technique, he's got confidence in that. The biggest question on Michelle Rivera has been, can he, can he paint? Can he get abstract? Can he get outside of that and make the big adjustments? Luke, how much have you seen of Frank Martin? Because he comes from the uh, Errol Spence camp there in Dallas, and he's almost like a mini compact version of some of the stuff that Errol Spence does well. It almost looks a little bit like Spence Light, the way the Southpaw Martin can get inside and break you down with punches. Contrasting styles, both guys want it. Luke, this is going to be the balls, the, the full bag. This is bag o sex Saturday night. It's Michelle Rivera versus Frank Martin. Yeah, and Martin's coming off that win over Jackson Mourinho's, which should be, uh, which was an, an interesting result back from July, I believe. Um, Obviously, I've not seen uh, the entirety of uh, either of their careers, but I've seen a little bit of both. To me, BC, you kind of buried the lead there a little bit or, or indicated what this really is going to come down to. Now, obviously, it's going to be Southpaw versus Orthodox, so I think Martin's lefty stance could make things a little bit interesting. But the to me, to me, I think what the tape shows is that you want Rivera to do other things other than kind of the steady sort of well-rounded stuff he has done which has been yes. really good hello both guys undefeated and in their 20s but to me it's going to be the jab the jab of Rivera is really either going to tell us what's going to happen here one way or the other either a guy like Martin is going to be able to neutralize it get around it set angles bulldoze through it go to the body back him up or conversely what we've seen most of the time nearly just about every time from Rivera is that jab is really, really, really good. He sets it up. He's consistent. About seven jabs per round in addition to all the other things he's doing, according to CompuBox. I feel like that the fight is going to be won or lost on those terms because if 100%. that jab is landing, Martin's in trouble. Conversely, if he can't get that going... Now, BC, that's the other... Uh, let me actually pitch it back to you. Mm -hmm. Do you think Rivera has something in him that he hasn't shown us yet such that, let's say, actually, Martin does a really good job of shutting down the jab. Does he have another gear to go to? Because I haven't seen that yet, but maybe this is That's the fight the where that comes out. That's the question. So even though Michelle Rivera has never lost, even though in step-up opportunities, look, when he took on unbeaten Joseph Adorno, who isn't without some questions whether he's ever going to live up to his own potential, but is a hard-hitting, tough out. I mean, Luke, you know, Rivera controlled on his terms and just suck the air out of the balloon. That's what he does. But even in some of these step-up wins, the only criticism has been, can you do more? When you're dominating the same guy for, you know, five, six, seven rounds, just jab, 
Great footwork, good technique. One, two, a little bit of pop on that right hand, but you're not doing anything extra to create the opening to finish or, you know, can he make the adjustments when somebody else is, is leading the dance is a big question. It, it, it's not only a question of, of you know, is, is he hiding it? Is, it? is it there at all? That's the big question because sometimes, Luke, people can play one or two notes, but they can play them great. Or, or you know, it, it tastes great, but it's, it's vanilla. It's plain vanilla. The big question on Rivera is can he raise his game when the moment demands it, when it's not on his terms, when he's losing – the reason why this is such a perfect contrast is not just because it's Southpaw versus righty, but Rivera 100% needs, from what we've seen so far, to control those terms to win. Martin is going to walk in, try to you know try his best the entire fight to dart in and out, use angles, which he does so well. It's like Rivera's the orthodox stereotype coming at you. You know what you're con you know what you're getting, but man, I do it well. Martin's the guy who thinks outside the box. He comes in darting in and out. But defensively, he leaves some holes on the way in. So it really does, like Luke said, come down to that jab. If Michelle Rivera can can control it right there, the fight's not going to be super exciting. But, you know, he's of the ilk where it's in play that he can win this fight that way. It's certainly, I mean, when you look at the odds right now, it's plus 185, by the way, Michelle Rivera as a, as a small uh, underdog, but in play that he can mm. win that way. The question is, Luke, how good is Frank Martin? Because he has such an interesting story where, you know, he was a teenager caught up in, in, in the wrong side of the law and had a situation where jail time was almost looking possible. Then he had the charges dropped on a big situation when he was 18. He finds a boxing gym that same year and he goes on to become like a decorated amateur. And like, I mean, he beat Virgil Ortiz Jr. in the final of the National Golden Gloves. This guy's legit in that regard, but came to it at 18, which is so rare to get to this level. He has shown us flashes of like next level brilliance. You know, when he walked down and took apart Jackson Mourinho's, it was impressive. But Luke, you can't deny though, he's also still a work in progress. And because he's shorter and because he needs to get inside to have success, he's going to be in punching range all night for Rivera. So mm -hmm. it's, it's it, like defensively, he's also going to have to make a leap here. How do you sort of stack up how, how potentially offensive da offensively dangerous Frank Martin can be? See, that's the issue for me. If they can, show the highlights again from the Mourinho's fight. You get a sense of who. Now, that was, by the time the ninth round was around, it's a little bit one-sided. So, uh, you know, he was all he was moving downhill at that point anyway. But the highlights are important here because you get a real, I mean, just look at this guy. Not a huge mover. Obviously, he does a little bit of the Philly shell, a little bit of the leaning outside there. And what he does is he loves to back people up and then bulldoze into them. You mentioned the Spence comparison. He doesn't quite have the angular slickness. And, you know, the punch selection brilliance of a guy like Spence, but the kind of steady drumbeat of, like, you know, the jackhammer, dig, 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 that, that's what he does. He jackhammers these guys consistently over time and breaks them down. He is definitely a forward pressure, not brawler. There is a he's not he's not Isak Cruz who's just doing this right. and then coming over the top. That's not what he's doing. But there's this unrelenting pressure where guys feel like they're getting a little bit rained on a little bit where they just can't find a place to get dry. He does this over the course of time. And you saw the defensive there. BC, that's why this jab to be this jab question anyway is going to be important. He doesn't move his feet. He does use his feet a little bit for defense. That's what I've seen on the tape. But if you notice here, yeah, he'll, like he'll bounce out a little bit, but a lot of it is leaning. He doesn't roll under hooks and then reset yes. angles. He kind of stays where he is a little bit slightly slides outside, which is good, right? Because you don't want to get so far out that you have to come back in. 
I'm just pointing out a, a guy who is fast, who is slick, can give guys like Martin problems because then Martin has to chase a little bit rather than guys acceding to the pressure. Dude, this is an interesting one. This is a very, very interesting clash of styles. Again, I want to be clear to the audience. Two guys, 24-27, both undefeated, Southpaw versus Orthodox. This is a fun one. This is a really fun yeah, one. Yeah, if, you, if you're wondering what's at stake, the winner becomes the mandatory for that secondary title that Gervonta Davis owns at lightweight. I don't usually like to promote and go nuts about secondary titles. I'm not in this case. Devin Haney is the real lightweight champion. He's got all four official belts. But, dude, this shows you... The, what the what level the winner will now be on, you know, looking at a potential opportunity against Gervonta Davis. But Luke, I think Frank Martin, ha it's weird. It's like, can Rivera take that style all the way to the top? Yes, but he has to control the terms perfectly. And I question if his chin is next level. I question if his mm. punching power is truly next level. Frank Martin is showing you, we don't know yet if Frank Martin's next level, but I think we've seen flashes and his willingness to make a fight happen it may be his downfall in the long run because there are some defensive holes. Like, you mentioned the Mourinho's fight was competitive until it wasn't. Dude, Jackson Mourinho's was timing him with those counter right hands, like, all day. It's just that Mourinho's not a big puncher. Martin was able to take it. Martin's TV-friendly because he stands in the pocket and tries to make you fight there. But if you stay open to the counter right hands from a Rivera, who's much more sharp, you know, that's where there's potential problems here. But, you know, Frank Martin's got Derek James as his trainer, and that, that really matters right now. James is is, you know, it's either him or Eddie Reynoso as who are the best boxing trainers of the moment, pound for pound level. I mean, look, James has Jermel Charlo, undisputed champion, Errol Spence trying to become undisputed champion, two of the best pound for pound in the game. Um, I don't know yet if Frank is of that ilk. He, he welcomes more danger than those other two guys do. Although, you know, Spence welcomes danger too, but Spence is more slick, has more plays in the playbook. Martin may get there, but you got to pass this test to get there. That's why you love the matchmaking. That's why they love why both guys are willing to say, let's find out right now against each other. Um, you don't, you know, you don't see enough of that, Luke. You know what I mean? It's, it's good that both are under the same network and promotional flag. It wasn't impossible to make, but kudos to both guys. Now let's see two hungry guys go out there and, and leave no doubt who wins and why Luke Thomas. Ooh. So, as you indicated, the odds have Rivera as the underdog. Plus 185, Martin minus 245. Mm. I have been higher on Rivera to this point, but Styles make fights. I might go Martin. I might go Martin here. I think that we're going to learn. Man, this is a tough one. I'll go Martin because I just think in the end he's got more firepower. And I think that will make the difference, yes. but it's, he's going to have to earn it. He's going to have to earn Look, it for sure. You and I both indicated that Rivera's ability to control distance and consistently keep Martin away with that jab or, you know, because Martin's a Southpaw, whether it's the right counter, either way, if he can control that distance, it, that's got to happen for him to win. I think Frank Martin's going to have to give up rounds and give up situational, you know, moments to try to continue to get inside. But once he does, and he makes this a fight, the even bigger question is whether Michelle Rivera can win that style of fight, can dig deep and find another gear, can come back over the top and win her and finish another guy. I think Frank Martin has the perfect marriage of great intention and confidence and just enough compromised defense based on that style that he does that he's going to welcome a car wreck. He's going to make it into one. And I think he's going to stop Michelle Rivera and get the upper hand and make a big statement about the direction that he's going. In the long run, Luke, I need Frank Martin to add some, to, 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 I think there's room for him to grow and I think he'll get there. 
But this is a tough night out, and I think he's got to make it a fight to win it, Luke. I think he does. This is going to be fun to watch. Don't miss it. Don't miss yeah. that Saturday the night. The back half to the slash last third of this fight is going to be the most important part. Yeah. Uh, Jose Uzkatagi in that co-main event against Vladimir Shishkin, a Showbox alum, so don't miss that. This triple header Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, but a reminder that 8 p.m. Eastern before the main card goes live on Showtime, check out the YouTube channel of Showtime Sports. Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell of Morning Combat, We'll be calling the Showtime Championship Boxing Countdown Show. Luke, we got Omar Juarez versus Austin Dulé in a 10-round super lightweight bout, and Elijah Garcia and Cruz Stewart in an eight-round middleweight bout. Garcia 12 and 0. So a lot of a lot of folks looking to campaign to you know make that leap themselves to the show box, the championship level. Uh, you and I will be there, Luke, early on along the way. All right, we'll be the soundtrack be of their lives. It'll be fun. Yeah, don't miss that ish. All right, Luke. Topic number three brings us. To some fight announcements. I want to get your reaction, you know? Meh, great. I got a phoner. I mean, there are levels to reactions here, Luke Thomas. Are you ready? Ready as I'm going to be. All right. UFC Vegas 68 has a rebooked headliner. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. This was the fight that was supposed to happen before. Fell apart at the last minute. I think all the same concerns or hopes, whatever you want to say, either way that we had for that one are in play. Nothing changes, and they get back to it pretty quickly. So looking forward to seeing it because it tells us a lot about the direction either guy is headed. Uh, that's a yay for me. Yeah, that's a yay. All right. I'm trying to find the date. I couldn't find it, Luke, so I gave up um, on that fight. But it's going to be fight night 68. Let's go to March 4th, UFC 285. Cody Garbrandt versus Julio Arce. Now, is this... Another stop in the bantamweight division here, or is this, or I mean, another in the in the flyweight division, Luke, or is this bantamweight all the way for for Garbrandt? So I have to double check. I believe this is bantamweight. I, I, I'm not sure. I thought Julio Arce was a bantamweight. I can double check that right now. Uh, Julio Arce is, as it stands. Uh, let's see. He competes in the well. He yeah, bantamweight because he's also fought at featherweight, so it'd have to be a bantamweight here. So it's back to bantamweight. But the reason behind the matchmaking is interesting because Julio Arce is very well-rounded, very well-schooled, and uh, comes from a, a, the Tiger Shulman camp. And so, like, you watch him fight, he's pretty complete. But if there's been a criticism of him, it's that he can't – he's not necessarily – he's dangerous in the sense that he can control rounds, he can control long stretches. He's, you know, as I mentioned, very well-rounded. But there's a question of, like, how dangerous he is. And I think for a guy like Cody, who there's a question about – how much damage he can tolerate, and how good his chin is, basically. Um, this is the kind of fight where it's like, Arce is talented and certainly capable of winning this, and dude, even potentially putting Cody's lights out. But he's not like a devastating knockout threat, I think is the point I'm okay. trying to make. So it's an interesting matchmaking <clears throat> here. On that same night, UFC 285, March 4th, Viviana Rujo versus Amanda Hebos. That's That ain't bad, Luke. That ain't bad at all. Uh... Oh, right. Yeah, you don't, you drop down to the bottom of the list here. Yeah, love that fight. Love that fight a lot. Um, what was the other? Oh, we were supposed to get Tracy Cortez and Amanda Hebos, and that was the one that fell through. But Viviana Rougeau. They robbed us. Yeah, yeah. they robbed us. That's, I don't think that's quite as good as, as uh, the, the Cortez fight with Hebos is better, but this is still a yeah. good one. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Um, Bellator on that February 4th CBS card, Bellator 290, of course, that's uh, – Fader Bader too, Luke, or Bador, depending on your pronunciation. But we got two more bouts added. Chris Gonzalez versus Max Roshkoff. Jornel Lugo versus Jalen Bates. Are you moved yeah. by any of those? Okay, yeah, for sure. The Chris Gonzalez and Max Roshkoff fight. Um, 
for folks who may not remember, Roshkov was the guy who kind of quit on his stool in between rounds, and then his coach tried to like get him back into it. But then at the end, his coach was Robert Drysdale, and then Robert Drysdale at the end actually kind of exceeded and told the referee he didn't want to compete. But um, you know that, that that whole controversy that played out, like that whole thing that was there, um, he had a bit of a falling out, obviously, with I think all the places he was training and and whatnot, and gone to Bellator and is on a bit of a redemption tour. Gonzalez is the guy that got run over by Usman Nurmagomedov, but as a team alpha male guy, good, very good wrestler, good fighter. That's a tough fight. That's a really good fight, actually. I like that one a lot. Jornel Lugo was the one who got run over by Danny Sabatello in a fight where Sabatello actually did have a lot of ground and pound. Uh, don't know much about Jalen Bates, but Jornel Lugo's a pretty talented fighter, just couldn't quite, quite get it going against Sabatello. Look, speaking of getting run over on the Today Show this morning, <clears throat> they ran a poll of the most hated holiday songs uh, in the world, and number one was Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I mean, most hated, really? It's one of my favorites. I mean, that's a, that's a classic, Luke, you know? Where are that you in, on uh, the stupid... You know, how, like how, so you know how one of the dumbest debates on the internet is, is a hot dog a sandwich? It's like, I know you've never read a book. I know that. I know that part. Yeah. Where are you on the stupid debate <clears throat> about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Um... Yeah, I mean it's stupid, but yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Look, I, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be on the front lines of fighting that war to to defend it as one. But yeah, I would. Yeah. I don't. I don't. You know, I don't throw up this? at the idea. How about this? You can watch whatever fucking movie you want on Christmas. How about that, yeah, guys? But Freedom. Make your own Freedom traditions. Prize. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You want to watch hardcore pornography like the neighbors yeah. do at, at, at uh, Malka, not Malka, but the neighbors of Malka across the street when we're recording on the roof. <laughs> The pregame preview, which hasn't been on the roof for like seven months, but you know what I'm talking about anyway. Like, yeah. if you want to watch pornography like that on Christmas, you're allowed to do that. Okay. You can do that. Well, Luke, I mean, is that it's not a family-oriented uh, operation there. But, I mean, there's much worse Christmas songs in history. Like, last Christmas, I gave, I you, gave my you my heart. heart. The very next day, you watch pornography. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's that's. A, I haven't heard that that remix edition. Wow. Look, I'm not moved by any of the other fights listed here. I don't want to mention uh, them. I, yeah, I the other ones I don't care. Me. Oh, no, 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 no. You're wrong about one of them. You're wrong about one of them. Uh, Javid Basharat versus Mateus Mendoza, uh, UFC Vegas 67, January 14th. Javid Basharat is a very good fighter. Mateus Mendoza is an... Uh, uh, they put Mendonca here. I think it's Mendoza, but... Um, was one of the guys I think who came off the Contender Series who looked very, very good. Javid Basharat was the dude who also came off the Contender Series whose opponent, I believe this is correct, or maybe it was one of the regular shows he was on, but his opponent was the one who called him like a dirty Muslim, and he was like an Israeli nah. guy. Yeah, and, I don't need uh, that. And, then, and then Basharat came out and like gave him the fucking business. So uh, Basharat is a guy who trains out of Extreme Couture. I think he's, Jake Shields is like his number one coach. He's very talented, super high on him. Tough fight, man. Tough fight against Mendoza. Yeah, Bashra was like, cash me outside. How about up? Right, Luke? Yeah. Right. Let him know what time it was. So that was Bitch. a good one as well. Uh, Luke, topic four. Hey, I actually watched this thing. UFC Fight Pass Invitational 3. Uh, grappling in our face. In our freaking face from the Apex in Las Vegas. And the main event, a, a uh, rematch of sorts between former teammates. But uh, Nikki Rodriguez coming in last minute to take on... The, the hero, the master, uh, what's his nickname? The King? Gordon yes, the King, Ryan. Gordon Ryan. So, Luke, this is, um, I'm very, you know, I don't like this shit, but I, I tuned in and tried to give a good faith effort. And, you know, I was, I would say I was decently entertained. I saw the Misha Tate fight as well. Um, 
Shout out to Michael Chiesa on commentary. Always a big fan of that. But Luke, let's talk about Gordon Ryan here. He wins in overtime via fastest escape. They had a 20-minute match instead of a normal 10-minute one, and then they went to the third overtime. I don't understand what that overtime is all about and how it actually worked. I was constantly confused because, you know, Nikki got out of the submission in X amount of seconds. Then Gordon got out of that same submission faster. Don't, doesn't he win there, or do you have to kick a field goal first and then get the extra point? Like, I don't understand this Kansas tiebreaker, Luke, what just Yeah, I'm what not sure exactly. There? I think there's a predetermined number of uh, rounds uh, of overtime. I don't think it's just – it's not like college you know, football in the way where it's like, hey, they scored first, kick it back, and if they don't get it, it's over. I can't remember how the rules go in college football anymore. But um, you have to do the full number of rounds, I think, unless there's like no way you can catch them after the fact. Um, you know, there's a question about who likes those overtime rules. Like they're largely borrowed from EBI where, you know, essentially, like, you know, people don't like when soccer games end and then you have to go to penalty kicks. And then people are like, well, this is a very satis- this is not a very satisfying way to end a soccer match. It's like, well, they also just ran around for fucking four hours. Like, this is the best you're going to get. So I don't love the overtime rules. I don't hate them. I just think it's the best that they can do. The thing that folks don't understand is there's a, there's a company called U.S. Grappling. And if you've never heard of them, they have a very interesting tournament, which is all of their matches are no time limit. So when you show up and you get into a bracket, dude, the matches go for a while. And if you go to the black belt division, dude, the matches routinely uh, go longer than an hour. I've seen them up to two, sometimes three-hour matches. Like, it's fucking crazy. So I bring this up to say you have to have some kind of overtime apparatus if you're doing this as a televised product um, because, you know, 20 minutes is never going to be enough, but 20 minutes is long enough to learn something. Nicky Rodriguez, to me, had a much more, like, traditional game this time he was using his body lock pass which for folks who don't know he's like famous for body lock passing he couldn't quite get it but he was able to use it he did get a uh, toehold briefly on gordon that popped his ankle after the fact um but gordon ryan's just too good he's too clever he's too he just understands leverages and positions bc did you see the video of gordon ryan rolling with martin's lisas uh Lisa's and the mountain from game of thrones this was actually yesterday yeah, I got that in the hopper for Monday's uh, HYSTS. Okay. Yeah, I'll save it. So in the end, this is the interesting part, BC. Gordon Ryan accused Nikki Rodriguez of uh, greasing. I don't know if you heard so that. The, okay, because I, so I have a lot of questions about this match and this grappling stuff in general, Luke. So I'm trying to understand in a good faith effort, okay? what? How, how dramatic was it when everybody was screaming in the second overtime when Nikki put Gordon in uh, choke Gordon pointed at the clock, waited for the buzzer, and then tapped out. Well, yes. I, you know, he knew the buzzer was over. Was that like a, a major moment? I mean, how like what's the history of Rodriguez proving that he's on Gordon's level? So I'll be honest. I never really watched EBI because the early iterations of EBI, to me, like, dude, Nogi grappling has changed a lot just in the last five years. And even longer than that, it's been like a dramatic alteration. But I did not watch early iterations of EBI because in its earliest stages, the A-level guys in Nogi Jiu-Jitsu did not do that tournament, right? At the time, whoever was the very best in Nogi, they would go into ADCC, but they weren't doing EBI. But it turns out that the guys who started and making a name for themselves through EBI, the, the Dan Hurd Death Squad at the time, like your Eddie Cummings and obviously and, and, and uh, Gordon Ryan, and there's a lot of guys out of that Dan Hurd Death Squad that was originally part of the group. They began to run the table on it and really popularized it. And it has led to a change in how the sport is conducted and how it's promoted and, 
it was just this massive alteration on both the marketing side as well as how people actually did no gi jujitsu. It changed a lot. But I'd never really watched EBI for that reason because my initial impressions were like, these are not A-level guys. It turned out to be wrong over time. It was true at first, but it wasn't true over time. So I'm not really familiar. I don't quite understand. If he had gotten the choke, um, I don't think that would have been the decisive factor in winning, but it would have slowed the amount of ride time he had. I'm not, I, candidly, I'm not entirely sure. Although even just okay. getting Gordon to tap at all would be a fucking minor miracle. But in that case, he did get the two minutes of riding time. But, um, you know, there you go. So are you saying that that tap was him just like, hey, dude, the, the period's over? Yes, he looked at the clock and was like, he was waiting on the referee to intervene. And, but yes. he saw that it had, it had hit two. So he was like, well, this is over. Like, just get up. He wasn't actually like, I can't take this anymore. Uh, okay. I'm surrendering. He was like, we're done here, you know. All right. So this guy, Gordon Ryan, is the best in the world, Luke. Uh, he's had a couple draws, but just all wins. You have to go back to 2018 for the last loss. It was against uh, Vinny Magalation. He lost on points. Ryan called out Vinny uh afterwards uh is that is that going to be a uh, destination rematch or does people don't care i don't understand it Luke. okay so here's the deal Vinny was supposed to be the original opponent last night and i guess oh. what, what, what according to gordon what had happened was gordon came in around 223 i think at the weigh-ins and they had told gordon that Vinny was around like 270 maybe even 280 remember Vinny fought 205 in uh in mma and i guess they were still some kind of weight limit they wanted to enforce Gordon apparently said, and I believe him, Gordon's like, I've gone against guys 280 or higher, like a bunch. Like, he can be as big as he wants. I don't care. But apparently either Vinny wanted to cut the weight or UFC did or whoever. I'm not entirely sure about that part, but he tried to cut the weight, and it fucked him up, and he had to go to the hospital because his kidneys got all jacked up, which, of course, I hope he's okay and he can be fine again. Um, I'll say this. I watched that match in 2018 that Vinny uh, had won, and um, he had a very specific game plan against the game that I would argue is not even close to what Gordon does now. Um, Gordon in four years since then is like way better than he once was. So I still want to see the rematch because what Gordon's trying to do is like there's guys like um, I think uh, Lucas Barbosa, he's beaten on points but never subbed. He just wants to go back and sub. But like He's beaten basically any peer at this point who's at the top of the game. He doesn't have that win over Vinny um, from four years ago, but you know my, my belief is that Vinny is very good and deserves your respect, but Gordon is untouchable right now. Uh, Luke, he has succeeded in getting on you know my radar and, and kind of you know softly crossing over to a certain level with the you know the tattoos, the hair, the look, the pro wrestling trash talk, the persona. Um, I know there's been rumors. I remember he got signed by one championship, and then that didn't happen right after it happened. Yeah, will he broke. ever? Yeah. yeah, will he ever fight in MMA? Because that's the next logical step to get uh, people to really, really care, right? Or is he just too good in this one area? Why? The thing is, it's like, dude, his like, how do you make money in jujitsu? Like, you know, you can get sponsors, you can open up a school, you can get some money from prize tournaments, and blah 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 blah. But it's very hard. Gordon has been one of the few guys who has made a very good living. If you guys have never heard of it, there's this company. I talk about them all the time. I am a customer. I'm not paid to say this. They're not, they don't ask me to do this. But there's a company called BJJ Fanatics. And what they basically do is they get these guys to go and do what you might ordinarily see in one of their seminars. 
and they essentially put it in a very detailed breakdown. It's all organized in, in terms of the information and presented to you almost like an instruction that you would get um, again in a, in a in a seminar, or even over the course of like many months, depending on how long some of these breakdowns are. Danaher and Gordon put down like lengthy it takes. I think I've I finished or I'm almost I, I'm almost finished with Danaher's first of like three standing to ground uh, instructionals from BJJ Fanatics. And it's just the first one is 10 hours. Just the first one. We haven't even gotten to the other two yet. And these guys make a motherfucking killing on this. A killing. Plus, Gordon Ryan is sponsored by Joe Rogan. At least he was for ADCC. He's got some other ones. So Gordon Ryan is a millionaire without ever having to throw a punch. If you yeah. can do that without the head trauma... Wouldn't you want to? I think he might competitively oh, because he wants to do that. But like, he's the guy that's done what people can't do in jujitsu in terms of making money. He might just ride it out. Yeah, uh, you know, he's pre- he might be smart enough to realize that that he'll always win if he doesn't. I just wondered if he had that like Brock Lesnar crazy side of him where it's like probably not the best idea, but fuck it, I'm a cowboy. Let's let's. No, not quite like that. No, he's not quite like. He's a little more strategic. All right. I know he's tapped Dylan Dennis in the past. Are you moved at all by Dylan Dennis no showing the the zone boxing press conference with uh, KSI Dude, Luke? If he if if Dylan Dennis hadn't uh, like the only way I remember that he was boxing KSI, which is just the saddest shit on earth. I mean, really, uh, I only remembered it because he he no showed the presser. Dude, you know, if him and Gordon went at it again, like Gordon would fucking torture him. Like a little child pulling the wings off of an insect or something. I mean, it's they're not even remotely in the same fucking ballpark anymore, dude. Dylan's a weirdo, man. Like I run the game, dude. You don't even. No, you don't. You don't run anything. Uh, <laughs> man, you don't even. No, you actually don't at all. You don't. You don't. All it's right? really weird. So I don't have any interest in, uh, yeah, much of what anything Dylan Dennis has to say. I mean, that's a Stockton 209 move, right? Just no show on the presser? Yeah. I guess it worked in the sense that, A, we're talking about it, and B, I was like, oh, yeah, he is boxing KSI. But now I'm like, oh, right, I don't give a fuck again. So Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't think uh, KSI or Dylan Dennis, Luke, will end up getting on our radar to potentially drop the kind of hashtag that makes people's emotions moved. I'm talking about hashtag holy hammer, hashtag hammer of the month. Luke, we're getting closer to the end of this month, and you know what that means? Almost time to select the Money Lion Hammer of the Month. For those of you who may have missed it a few weeks back, we decided that we wanted to start spotlighting the undercard fighters or fighters who were just under the radar just a bit, who were coming on, who were taking out that hammer and making big moments happen. It was Aaron Blanchfield last month. We have no shortage so far of potential nominees this month. So our friends at Money Lion who know how to money, one of our favorite sponsors, came up with this idea for the Hammer of the Month that invites you, the viewer, to nominate which fighter you think this weekend is coming the hell on. Boxing, MMA, combat sports in general. You only have 13 days left to vote, so go to moneylion.com slash morningcombat to learn more and learn how to enter to help select the one who's going to get that incredible piece of uh, art, Luke, that's called a, a hammer, right? It's a hammer. It's a freaking hammer. It's a hammer. big old hammer. Yeah. All right. There you go. Very, very good. Luke, we closed Friday by uh, opening up our uh, emails to the public and saying, hey, morningcombat at gmail.com. You know, you're already sticking us with your fan subs there every Wednesday. But Fridays are a different tune. That's when it, 
it, we, we turn the mirror back on us. You know what I mean? We, that's when you guys ask us to change our ways, right? Uh, we're going to straddle the fence here of being right or wrong, and, and we'll put it on trial. We'll stand the test of time. We're brave enough to possibly be told with receipts and a few insults added in that we was <laughs> dead wrong. Yeah, there definitely will be insults. That's what we should call this segment. Instead of dead wrong, just there will be insults. <clears throat> this is uh, from Wes, who says, I'm a P1, a.k.a. At, uh, 8-bit imaginations. I don't know if he's just trying to plug himself there, Luke, but he got plugged. Uh, he says, at 1 hour and 53 minutes of Wednesday's MK, during fan subs, Luke referred to the Lime Saul as Tajin, Tajin which Tahin. is correct. Tajin. Tajin, but he also referred to sweet, spicy, sour liquid that you rim Chavela and or Michelada glasses with Michel also Mich as Michelada. Michelada. Tajin. Uh, this is not Tajin. That is the savory fermented plum candy goodness we call Shamoy or pronounced Shamoy for Professor Salt and Pepper, you, you old Wait, gray bitch. Wait, is he saying Look, they don't put Tajin on the rim? Because that is matter-of-factly not He's true. saying Shamoy goes on the rim. Uh, Luke, you uncultured swine. These condiments are meant for a person of elaborate taste who can enjoy the complexities of such varied flavors. But, Mr. Thomas, you're out here sounding like a dumpster diving man who puts A1 sauce on a well-done steak in public. Love the show. Uh, no, no, it's, I didn't call. Okay, so Mikey is saying that I called the gummy part Tahin. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, and I would love to see the tape on this, that they put tahine on the rim. BC, do you know how many fucking bars in Cartagena I've been to where I have literally watched them put tahine on the rim? That's not up for debate. They matter-of-factly do that. Not not every place, but some places do it's that. It's like, the first thing I do when I, when I make them toss my salad is put tahine on the rim. Yeah, I mean, they... They put tahini on it. Like I, I don't know about the the gummy part. I'm I, I don't pretty sure I didn't talk about that. But uh, Look, nothing kills a good party like a uh, pedantic pirate like that guy. Well, West, I'm just right? saying. Yeah. Like he's I, my whole <clears throat> argument was, do they put tahini on the rim, motherfucker? I have seen it with my own eyes. Yes, they do. Oh, hey, hey, uh, hey, West. Did uh, what's his name get you down the other day? These nuts. Yeah, right, right. I mean, come on, West. Right. I mean, you know. <laughs> Uh, what's next? Him. Yeah. Let's go to Mike. He says, hey, Luke and BC, it's Liverpool's own Mike Owens Media right oh, here. Oh, shit. Uh, that's our guy. Luke has repeatedly referenced that Alexander Hernandez's first two UFC fights were knockouts of Dariush and OAM. This is dead wrong. As Hernandez beat OAM via decision with two judges giving a round to OAM, had to flag for respect to the Canadian gangster. Thanks for the shout outs. It means a lot, Mike. Shout That's out, right. Mike. He Owen. beat yeah. Hernandez and knocked out Darius in his first two fights. That's a fair one. I'll take that um, one. I'll take that one. By the way, Mike said he's going to be at our live show, Luke, February eighth, uh, Wednesday yes. night, uh, King's Place, uh, London. So uh, that's awesome. Um, he knows he didn't insult you either. He could have. He could have went after a few different categories. He could have. He could have. He could have hammered me, but you know he's a nice guy, so he didn't do that. Shouts to Mike Owen's right. media. Uh, Kevin says my second dead wrong is for Luke regarding Sergey Pavlovich's performance bonuses at 47 minutes, 10 seconds of episode 382. Luke said, and by the way, he got the performance bonus as well. His first one, I believe in the UFC, I think that's right. Or certainly some gibberish was said here first in some anyway, <laughs> end quote, but no, it's actually his third in the UFC and his second this year. His first was Marcelo Golm in April of 2019. The second was the Abdurakimov fight. 
of March of this year. So, Luke, take that. You were wrong, okay? How dare you? All right. I'll take the L on the uh, inventorying of Sergei Pavlovich's bump bone. You know, Luke, there is a growing vocal minority who think we've been, we're past this, that this is slowing down the Friday show, that no one cares on this pedantic bullshit. I don't know if the, if the, if the donks have come correct this week. They, they're supporting that narrative, right? All right. Uh, I've got one here from, I think, uh, Luke, your mic is dead. Did you hear Long Island, Luke? Yeah, put the shit on me. All right, hi, BC here. So this next one, I believe, is from Kevin or Dave, one of those two. Something was wrong with BC's memory on this one. I know the pandemic feels like one long week, but BC said at 20 minutes, 30 seconds of episode 382, quote, I know the interview clips that make the rounds when he was on Ariel's show. What was it? 2019 was the most recent time that he talked at length. You know, it was a couple of years ago, end quote. So they're referencing... um when James Krause was on Ariel Hawani's MMA Hour, and then when the James when the James Krause news happened, I had mentioned that that took place in 2019. Uh, he's saying, no, BC, that was August 4th, four months ago. All right, I'll take the L. You're right. It was four months ago. So yeah, that interview, by the way, in light of everything we know, is the reason why I mentioned it. It's got, got some juicy details in there about how deep in Krause is as a successful better. Um, it doesn't necessarily suggest i mean suggest but it doesn't confirm any additional biases or uh foul play regarding the Derek minner situation but you know that's why they have investigations i guess at the end of the day right now long island luke uh is investigating why you people can't hear or see uh luke thomas so luke do you want me to wait or you want me to go right into the last one here yeah if no one can hear you you're right uh, long island luke where are we at on this All right, nobody can hear Luke. So, you know, I'll kill time right here. Just, uh, you know, cheap plug for the uh, the BC live chat. The last two Tuesdays and who knows when it's coming back. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat to hear the inside of what my brain sounds like. It's a, it's a, it's a wild place. Uh, 90 minutes of fun and games for your viewing pleasure. Uh, we've got one more dead wrong. It says dead wrong debate from Oso. O-S-O. Um, not like O-S-P, but like O-S-O. Uh, here's what Oso has to say. Hello, MK family. Much love. I am a day one Luke Thomas and Brian Campbell fan. I wanted to present a dead wrong debate and I want to defend the PFL's MPH or miles per hour stat. Here we go. This is, uh, this is this man's debate. That's how you debate. Um, all right. It may not be for you. This donk says, but I have noticed on over 10 different occasions when I'm in social settings with casual fight fans that they like the miles per hour stat. When a KO or a massive strike stat is on the screen, they respond to it and say stuff like, dang, that was fast. A casual fight fan wants to be engaged in the conversation and banter while a fight is happening and they don't fully comprehend what they are seeing. True. That's, that's true. Since they don't train or watch fights often enough. So the MPH stat becomes a way they can make a comment or become involved with the conversation. Furthermore, MPH also plays a role in the entertainment element, the speed of the strike. The MPH connects with surrealism and movie fight scenes elements that a fight must have. Since casuals don't have a lot of reference points to effective fighting or combat, the only reference they are 
are movies. That What kind of bullshit take is this? To continue, this guy says, in that, the MPH stat captures the imagination of the movie when, the, when it's on the screen. I get that this is a matter of taste. This... This is making me st well, more sterile than I already am, Luke. This is the fourth needle having to read this. Wow. Um, uh, he's just. Yeah, hopefully people can hear you right now, Luke. But yeah. Um, okay, great. Yeah, I mean, look, I understand having trying to have gateway things to casual fans. It helps. That's why. NHL coverage. Remember, they used to have the, the, that, that glowing thing around the puck. I thought that was cool. I didn't, you know, I didn't. I didn't care about that. You know, Luke, sometimes they have like cheerleaders so that like people that are only watching for like the TNA and not the football. Like, okay, I, I guess I get that too, Luke. But um, MP, I mean, you know, I don't think it's a movie. I don't think people go, oh, wow, is this Rocky Four? No, it's the fucking Smart Cage, brother. All right, it's the PFL welterweight championships. And here's Sadabu C against uh, some other guy. No, I mean, look, that, I mean, that cage is so smart. I wish this guy was smart enough not to send in a losing battle, right? Oh, they can't hear you. All right. Well, that's the show for you. Morningcombat at gmail.com. Uh, hopefully we get some clarity in the future on what that guy was really trying to say. But, you know, I mean, do I need stats? Like, it's it's just interesting. Like, even the um, people didn't like the PBC on Fox, how they always had in boxing the punch stats of both because, the, you know, so it's like, oh, who's winning? Oh, that guy has four more punches. He's winning. Well, no, it's, you know what I mean? It's scored on. And I know even UFC shows stats when it's relevant, but... Does PFL show too much, too many stats, which is why this, this question was a uh, birth. Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. But if, you know, if that helped a few casuals, then cool. Hopefully those casuals also love them. Some, uh, Magomed, Magomed Karamov. You know what I'm saying? There you go. All right. Hey, Look, I they think say they can you're hear me now. now. You can would, they hear me now? Back? Are you back? Yeah. Luke Thomas? Yeah, they can hear me. Yeah. Hey, that oh, argument about That's the, great. uh, MPH is, uh, Maybe really Luke's fucking muted. Cool. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can't hear you. This is great. I mean, you know, Luke, you would think for a show that wins this many awards that that I wouldn't have this battle for Wi-Fi, but that's not the show's fault. That's, you know, that's... Oh, hold on, hold on, BC. Oh. I got you covered. Hang on just a second. Right. I got um, you covered. Hold on, hold on, hold on. fans can hear you, Luke. I just yes, can't hear you. You can hear me now. Can you hear me now? You should be able to hear me just fine. Yeah, I got you now. I got you now. Okay. okay. BC, I was going to say about the MPH thing. Uh, dude, casual fans may watch it and be like, oh, that's interesting. It doesn't tell you anything about the fight other than some shit is faster than others like what does it mean that it's 20 versus 17 what are the overall statistics about what mile per hour leads to in terms of knockouts or knockdowns like we don't have any context about the significance of it other than it's like oh it looks really interesting but it doesn't it doesn't meaningfully tell you anything about the fight and more to the point like if all these stats and like the smart cage were interesting I'm not trying to be a dick. They'd have more fans. Like you can't tell me like the casual fans like it. And then also that the casual fans don't watch PFL. Cause I got news for you. They don't. So which is it? Like it does. It's a useless tool that seems interesting. It's got this. It's got the form of interesting, but none of the substance. You know, it'd be awesome if we restructured our Jersey city studio and put, and I know it's like so stupid. Oh, let's have a, let's have an MMA podcast inside a cage. Like, no, I mean, that's the lamest thing you could do is put up like a cage behind you. Mm -hmm. But what if the smart cage has other relatives in his, in his smart family that, that do this type of thing. And we got our own smart cage that could like talk back to us. Like, like Kit did on Knight Rider, Luke. And you know, like in the moment we could get dead wrong by the smart cage, you know? 
We can order Uber Eats while doing the show. You know what I mean? We can we can check if you know Appy is a sex predator legally. You know, like we can we can look it up. We got the Google. You know. Yeah, yeah, the smart cage. Yeah. Just. Oh, look! Do you know what I did the last? Dude, do you know what I did again last night? Masturbated in an Olive Garden. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, it is in the family though. Is that their catchphrase? It's in the family. What's their catchphrase? Yeah. <laughs> We'll keep it in the family then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, what did you do? Play Fortnite until you wept? I did play a lot of Fortnite yesterday. Yeah, I bet you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I rewatched Dune again. The you know the, the again, the Dune. dude. You know why I did it? Because the Dune Instagram account put a picture of Paul Atreides. You know, like the main character. Uh, in the desert and said filming wrapped or whatever. It said something to the degree of, because you know, Luke, the sequel's coming out in 2023, right? You know this, right? And Luke, uh, they filmed, they they wrapped filming and I got all fired up. WebScream knows what I'm talking about. You know what I'm thinking about doing? Luke, you know I don't read. I'm not a reader, especially not fiction, dude. I can't handle that shit. Luke, I'm going to go to the library or, or go to the bookstore and get the damn book and read it. You know, the 1965 novel that George Lucas stole everything from by Frank Herbert. But Luke, I rewatched uh Villa Jacques Villanueva's version. Dude, that is it's one of my three favorite movies ever. It in the theater was a cinematical ma- you know, cinematic masterpiece from the experience. I know it's too long, but I think in this weird like the only thing I do weird sci- okay, I do a lot of things weird. The only thing weird sci-fi that I do. The only sci-fi thing I accept is that love affair I have with Star Wars. Look, this is better than Star Wars. In fact, this is Star Wars because this is, you know, the all the ideas that George Lucas, you know, silently adapt. I mean, look, I know I get I get in the sci-fi movie genre that everybody has stolen from the Dune book because it was, you know, the greatest piece of sci-fi fiction in that area. But look, you can't tell me after watching because it's good. Remember Rogue sci-fi One? Sci-fi fiction, so- science fiction, fiction. Sci- sci-fi fiction. Luke, do you know that, remember Rogue One felt like Star Wars, but something way cooler, dude. The this Dune remake is is immaculate in this in this space, and it's the only weird space I accept. I love this shit. Okay, look, I like the movie. I'm not, you're not going to hear me hate on it, but I've never. Wow, man, you love, love, love that I movie. Do. Also, once I've again, got, I'm, see, I'm rock hard with emotion right now, Luke. Okay, once again, are you going to watch Black Hawk Down? I cannot believe you, dude. You just don't know what you're sleeping on. You really okay. Don't. I was always taught by my dad that mattresses and cars you can you can barter a little bit, Luke. It's like buying you know at a flea market in a foreign country. You know what I mean? You can you can you can talk them down. Not that I encourage that, Luke. I want people to get you know rightful pay for their goods produced. Okay, but Luke Thomas, will you rewatch Dune with fresh eyes and a lot of Delta Eights? Will you rewatch Dune? I mean, can we make it an MK homework assignment or something? I want you to make love to this film, Luke. Well, like, not like actually, but like, you know, like in like the embracing in the, in art. I mean, you know what I mean? Luke's Luke, spread the cheeks of this film, please find out about it. Okay. And eat its Experience. ass from the back, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't imply that. Okay. All right. To be fair, I did not imply that. You know what I mean? We can end this show at any point, but I, I would <laughs> happily watch it again. I really enjoyed it. I would watch it again. I just don't okay. know if I can ever get to the level of like religiosity that you confer upon it. I didn't say you had to to join the cult, Luke. Okay, I didn't say that. All right, I the, Good, joined the Bene Gesserit. I mean, are the Bene Gesserit just a bunch of witches? That don't feel like Jedi. At least Lucas, you know, cleaned that up a little bit so that like kids could welcome it, right? 
Yeah, I mean, he made it palatable so he could make some money off of it. But, you know, fuck that but old bitch. Ben and Jesuit's like, yo, we're Satan right here, okay? Dude, this remake. We, we, rem- we, we can end the show at any point. We did two shows very long this week. We can call this one early if you want. Dude, the sequel's going to be so good. You know what's the second half of the first book, Luke? I can't wait for this shit, all right? Oh, really? Now we got to... Now, now the pretty... Yeah, let's end it. All right. Uh, for Luke Thomas and the rest of these people, uh, morningcombat.store is where you can uh, get great merch. And you can get some uh, gift cards, by the way, for... Uh, why don't you do that? You missed the deadline for Christmas, so why don't you get a gift card and, you know, shop the last minute like we always do. Uh, Showtime.com, get your 30 days. Watch Championship Boxing Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, Rivera versus Martin. Two unbeatens, but you can get 30 days free. If you like it, go six months more at $3.99 per month. Come on, all right? You can't beat that with a bat. Hammer can't touch that. Uh, Watch out for Hammers of the Month at Moneyline on Twitter, at Moneyline Inc. on Instagram. Hashtag Holy Hammer, you know what to do. Luke Thomas, anything else you want to say to the people? Yeah, February 8th, February 8th, February 8th. Come see us. London, England, live show, special guests, and more. King's Place. You can put the QR code on the screen now. If you're in Ireland, fly over. Come see us. If you're anywhere near that Europe market, wherever, come say hi to us. We don't know when we're going to come back. We're going to make this one as special as we can. February 8th, get your tickets. Come see us. We can't wait. Wow. Do you have any... um? early odds on what you will put in your body before that show, Luke, or Water during that show? and anxiety. <laughs> Ch- will you chase that with a margarita for old time's sake? <laughs> I probably will. I probably will. All right. Just one. All right. There Just you one. go. Uh, like us, follow us. Uh, shout out to Mikey Mormal, Luke Nosita on the ones and twos today. I'm sure Gaff is around somewhere, somewhere. All right. I'm a big Manich guy too. Love my team over there. Uh, take care of yourself. Enjoy the fights this weekend. And uh, that's about it. I got two more words for you from BCLT and the MK. We out.